So pretty cool this week. Um, I took a quick trip to D.C. Uh, to meet with the president, and um, in my spare time, I was on a board that I, I hang out with. Just kidding. Some of you are like, what? Um, no, um, I'm on a board of a church in D.C. and was able to go and meet in the person for the first time in like a year and a half, and this church that we're a part of, McDowell, um, doing amazing things. Global 5K yesterday, they did to raise about $30,000 um, for their global ministry partners. That'll be on our docket for next year. And so the extension of what's happening here is felt around the country. And also, um, we had a family, the Willies, uh, were in the DR. They snuck down to the DR under the radar um, and were able to meet with some, uh, some of the leaders from Food for the Hungry and uh, we're launching, we're hoping to launch this education scholarship program. We're super excited about it. And so when you give here to McDowell, when you call this your church home, you are connected in ways that you might not know. And God is doing things from the Dominican Republic to Prescott, Arizona, to even D.C. I mean, amazing, all the things that God is doing uh, around the world. I want to start with this in the series. And you might, not, you, you might not agree with me yet. And you might not agree with me by the time we get to the end, but I'm going to work. And here it is. God is better than we have ever imagined. Man, some of you are already there. You still need to come back during the series. But listen, I want you to know this. I want you to hear this. And if you're skeptical, it's okay. Um, because it's, sometimes it's tough to, to believe it, but here's the deal. God is better than you've ever imagined. He's better than we've ever imagined. He's better than we could imagine. Like God is just that good. And what we wanna do over the next few weeks is we wanna open up just a simple passage of scripture. And this scripture um, was so foundational for the early Israelites, the Jewish people, God's people, it was so foundational that it is the most quoted scripture by scripture. Does that make sense? So like, if you read through scripture, you're gonna find this passage or some form of this passage repeated at least 30 times. Now listen, come on now people. When scripture quotes scripture, it must be important. You know what I mean? Like when your mom quotes herself telling you something that you should do, you should probably start listening. When mom's like, hey, do you remember what I told you yesterday? It's like your ears should perk up. So this passage of scripture, and here's the great thing about this passage of scripture. It is God giving the Israelites and the Jewish people, and by extension, those who would one day come to faith in Christ, us, He's giving us a picture of who he is. This is who God is. And listen, he's better than you think he is. He's better. Whatever you've got in your mind of who God is, and some of you are already in love with God and you've given him your lives, listen, he's still better. He's so much better than we could ever Imagine, And so I'm going to go to this passage of Scripture. I'm going to give you some context to it. And then I want to tell you just a couple of stories that tie in. And we're going to worship a little bit because God deserves our attention. 
he, he deserves our affection because he's just so good. He just loves us so much. Those songs that we were singing, God's so good, or God so loved the world, like, ah, it's so much better than we imagine. So God created the heavens and the earth. I mean, how beautiful is this world? I mean, I know there's some of it that's a wreck and it's a mess and it's all of that, but if you can just get away every now and then or if you can get up about 4 a.m. these days and see the sunrise start to peek up, it's unbelievable. I know it feels like we're standing on the surface of the sun some days, but listen, the sunrise and the sunset, it's amazing. It's God's handiwork. And if you can hike up in the mountains or if you can drive up to Colorado or the beach or wherever you're going, is this world not beautiful? Just the, the beauty of God's creation, the creativity. God created all of this. And at the center of his creation, I know the person next to you looks crazy, but at the center of his creation is humanity. It's us. Like God calls us his masterpiece with all of this that's out there in the world. Like God calls us his masterpiece. And, you know, we do what we do. We scribble on it. You know, like your parents, they're like, this is why we can't have nice things in our home, because they're going to break it. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times, um, how many lamps in our house has, have been broken by balls and pillows. And just this week, um, Charlie got up and he was walking into our bedroom and he decided to take a shortcut where there's... Um, a cord from a lamp that's plugged in, and he's, instead of picking up his feet like he should, he's just shuffling along, being all cool, and you know, and I'm over in the living room, and Robin's in, in our bathroom, and all of a sudden, we hear the shatter, you know, and I'm like, it's another lamp. <laughs> that's why we can't have nice things. You know what I mean? Some of you have been there. That's why we can't have nice things in our house. And God, you know, he gave us this beautiful creation, and we find a way to mess it up, don't we? You know, we, we you know, it's just, it's just what we do as humans. And we mess it up, and God, in his loving kindness and his faithfulness, he comes after us. Because when we mess it up, we tend to not go back to our parents. You know, what, what do kids do? Like when Charlie, like, pulled that cord, and it didn't, I don't know why it didn't just come out. Why doesn't it come out of the wall, you know? <laughs> Why does it pull the lamp down? I'm going to glue the next one down. Anyway, like kids don't just come back to the parents, you know. What do kids do? They like hide. And like, Char like he puts his head down. He's like he's ashamed. And it's an accident. It's just an accident. I know in the moment we don't feel like dads, are you with me? Like moms tell us it's just an accident. Chill out. I mean, not that I've ever been there, but some of you know what I'm talking about. And... Um, he puts his heads down because he feels shame, and it's the same thing with us. We feel so much shame when we mess things up, and instead of turning back to God like he wants us to do, we just hide. But God pursues us. He pursues you. Even when you make a mess of things, he pursues you. And then he, in his loving kindness, he, he redeems, he restores, he picks you up, and he says, it's okay. I still love you. I mean, he's good. He's just that good. That's the kind of God. That's our the kind of father that we have. So in 
This is what's happened with the Israelites, and they've messed things up. God leads, leads them out of Egypt, and there's this crazy, it's almost like a marriage ceremony between God and the Israelites, and what God wants to do is be in relationship with the Israelites, and he actually wants to redeem all the world, all nations, all people through his relationship with the Israelites. So it was never really an exclusive thing, it was a through thing. It was a way that God would love the world through a people to reach everyone, no one excluded from his love. And it's funny, like they have this little marriage ceremony between God and his people, and his people are all in. Like, we're all in, God. We are yours. And then Moses goes up on the mountain to talk to God, and he's gone just for a little bit too long for them, and they're like, where's that guy Moses? They, like, forget. He's there for, like, 40 days. Like, where's Moses? Where'd he go? I don't know. Let's take our jewelry off and melt it down and create an image and worship that as our God. They, like, in 40 days from being married to God, they decide to give themselves to someone else. Isn't that just like us? Now, I'm not talking about you, but in Scripture, come on now. Have you ever, like, on Sunday morning, you're like, I'm all in, God. I'm all in. Like, what Don was talking about, I want that. And then Monday, you wake up, and you're like, yeah, I want that. You open up Instagram, I want that. Come on. Don't, I mean, I know we're in church, but let's be real. You know what I mean? Like, we give ourselves to all these different things after committing ourselves to God. But listen, God is still faithful in the midst of the Israelites breaking the covenant again and again and again. And so God gives to Moses. He shares with Moses this passage from uh, Exodus chapter 34. And this is what he says. Yahweh, Yahweh, the God of compassion and grace. I am slow to anger and I am filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. This, right after they created a golden calf to worship. This is God's response. Yahweh, Yahweh. The God of compassion and grace. Isn't that awesome? God's like, I know you guys are gonna just keep turning your backs and making a mess of things, but this is who I am. This is just who I am. I am the God of compassion and grace. I am slow to anger. I'm filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. And he goes on, I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. How good is that? I lavish, I, I overflow with unfailing loyal love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. And then there's this like little turn in here. I, I kind of want to leave the rest off, but I'm going to go ahead and read it for you. But I do, I do not excuse the guilty. And he goes on. This is where it gets a little, like this is where we want to turn it off and we want to like cut this part out of the Bible, you know, and we're like, I don't know. I lay the sins of parents upon their children and their grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even to the third and fourth generation. Now, this is uncomfortable, isn't it? It got real quiet when I got to that part. 
I like the compassion and grace. I like the slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I like the lavishing of unfailing love to a thousands of generations. I love the forgiveness. Anybody vote for forgiveness? You, you're in on the forgiveness? Some of you just aren't comfortable raising your hands in church. We'll get there. We try. Joe's dancing up here. One day he's going to get you to raise your hand. It's going to be crazy, but it's going to be good. Anyway, so... Like, I love all that beginning stuff. And then we get to the backside of it, and I'm like, ooh, whew. How can God be loving and forgiving and yet not excuse the guilty? What does that mean? Like, where's God going with that? So is he loving? Is God forgiving? Does he forgive the iniquity and the sin and all of that? Does he forgive that, or does he hold it against my kids? Because that seems unfair. Well, let's just be honest about Scripture. That's uncomfortable, isn't it? And I think for many of us, we read that and we're like, Whew, I, don't, I don't know. Um, I was reading uh, a scholar uh, on this passage of Scripture, scripture and, and he said this. I love this. The good news is that you can take God for granted. The bad news is you cannot take God for granted. And I'm like, well, which is it, John? Well, you can take him for granted until you can't. Hmm. Now, what's interesting about when this verse is quoted, normally it's the first half of the verse that's quoted. And it's when the Israelites and God's people get into trouble and they're like leaning into Hey, God, remember when you said you were full of unfailing love and forgiveness? Remember that right now. Remember that for me. Because we want that, right? It's quoted again and again and again because that is the core of who God is. In the Psalms, David writes, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abundant in loyal love and faithfulness. Like this is David plugging into that. First, see, do you see it reflected, that first passage, part of that passage where it's like this is the God of compassion and grace and David's leaning into that. And here's the truth, that even when we aren't faithful, God is faithful. It's the truth, even when we aren't faithful. But even when God is faithful, there are always ramifications for the choices we make. Let me say that again. Even when God is faithful, there are always ramifications to the choices we make in life. And that's where the tension lies, I believe, in this passage of Scripture. It's where the tension is. Do you guys remember the story of Jonah? It's the story in the Old Testament and most people, like, stick with the first three chapters of Jonah. So Jonah, God calls him to go to the Ninevites and express his grace, God's grace, and to call them back to God. And they're kind of outsiders, and so they're not even in the, the family. But God calls Jonah. What does Jonah do? He runs. He goes the opposite direction. Do you remember this story? He gets on a boat going the opposite direction. There's a big storm that blows up, and they're throwing stuff off the boat. And Jonah's finally like, it's my fault. I'm running from God throw me off the boat. And so his friends throw him off the boat. <laughs> he wouldn't list them as his best friends from earlier, the question earlier, like not his best friends, because they just, I'm like, okay, they throw him over the boat. 
and he gets swallowed by a big fish. And we get caught in the details, like, did this really happen? Like, what kind of fish? And did the fish have air in its belly to keep him alive? And what about food and water? And I'm not sure that I believe that a fish, and it's like, okay, just keep reading, just keep reading, get there. And the, because of God's compassion, his grace, the, the fish spits Jonah up on the dry land. And finally, Jonah's like, well, I should probably listen to God because I mean, that's pretty crazy. I just lived in a fish for three days. And so he goes to Nineveh and he announces it. And the Ninevites decide to turn their ways back to God and God forgives them. And we get to chapter four and Jonah is ticked off at God. Why? For I knew that you, a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant and loyal love, you are the one who will relent concerning evil. Well, what does that mean? Jonah's mad that God forgave them. Even though God is the one that forgave Jonah and put him back on dry land from the fish like two days earlier. Now, isn't this like us? We love God's grace and his compassion and his kindness and his love for us, but not them. But God is love. God is compassion. God is grace. And there are ramifications to our actions. There are always ramifications. But God is faithful even when we are not. Um, let me, I'm going to tell you a quick story. I'll try to make it quick. So in the Old Testament, there's this prophet named Hosea. This is a crazy story. I mean, this is a crazy story. God says to Hosea, he says, you're a prophet. I want you to, I want you to go marry a prostitute. Guys, this is in the Bible. You should read the Bible. It's awesome. <laughs> it's crazy stories in the Bible. God tells Hosea, I want you to go marry a prostitute. And Hosea goes and he finds a prostitute named Gomer, an unfortunate name. You should not name your daughters Gomer. <laughs> and he marries her, and they have children. But God knows that Gomer is so sucked into this way of life and that she's given her heart and mind. God knows that that Gomer will turn her back on Hosea, her husband. And she does. Now, if you were Hosea, what would you do? I should have known. God, I don't know what you were doing, but that's crazy. And so I'm done. Right? That's you. The human response. And God says to Hosea, he's like, I want to give the world a picture of my love. Hosea, I want you to go find her. Go find her? I want you to go find her. She's on 3rd Street, selling herself to the highest bidder, back in the sex trade. Someone has bought her to use her. I want you to go there. 
I want you to go find her. And Hosea, I want you to buy her back. And Hosea's like, oh, God, why would I buy back something that's already mine? She's my wife. And God says, because this is what I'm going to do for all of humanity. I want you to get a glimpse of my love and my compassion and my grace for all humanity. Can you imagine Hosea going to the places that you just shouldn't go, looking for his wife, and then pulling out the money to buy what was already his. Can you imagine? I mean, God's just that good. He's better than you can imagine. And you read a story like that, and you think, like, why, why, would, why would there be a story that's so scandalous in Scripture. And who is Hosea and who is Gomer? And, and then you begin to realize that God is Hosea. And I'm Gomer. Because though God has loved me more than I could ever imagine, I have continually turned my back on him and given my heart and given my mind to other things in this world. And God has loved me so much that he was willing to give his one and only son, Jesus, to buy back what was already his. And listen, you're Gomer too. You're Gomer. And God loves you more than you can ever imagine. And he is just that good. If you were to read Hosea, which you should, I mean, it's a crazy story. Um, in the Old Testament, people were often fearful of God's wrath or his punishment. And sometimes we are too, aren't we? Like, we're fearful of God's anger, if we're honest. Like, if I do this, then God's going to be, you know, whatever. Listen to this passage. I love this. In those days, they will tremble in awe at the Lord and his goodness. That's, that's becoming one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Because those days are these days. In those days... They won't fear God's punishment. They will stand in awe of God's goodness. And I know we've got junk all around us going on, but I mean, how good is God? Isn't he good? I mean, look at your life. Look around. Isn't God good? Hasn't he provided more than you could ever imagine? 
And on top of it, he sent Jesus to rebuy, to restore, to redeem what was already his, your heart and mine. I want to kind of give us four challenges coming out of this. Four things to wrestle with and to chew on this week. And the first is this. God will never give up on you. Now, I want you to hear that. Everyone in the room, listen, listen. God will not give up on you. Come on, that's good news. God will not give up on you. Listen, you need to know this. God will not give up on you. And even when you're not faithful, God will be faithful to you. You need to know that. That's who, that's just who God is. That's the kind of God, that's the kind of father that we have. He's just that good. The second thing, and this is a little bit more difficult, how we choose to live, how you choose to live, the cycles we continue in our lives, what we give our hearts and our minds to, listen, listen, what we give ourselves to will have a tremendous impact on the coming generations. And we need to know that. We need to hear that. We need to understand that the cycles that we are living, the, the worship of our lives, and listen, I know we don't have golden calves that we create, but we've got, we've got idols all around us. We've got a thousand idols to choose from. And the things that we give our lives to, come on church, will have a tremendous impact on the next generation. So let's choose, let's choose God together as the center. Let's choose to give ourselves fully to him. Third thing, what's interesting in scripture, and we come back to this again and again, God has always looked for one faithful person among a people. There are so many times there's this community going off the tracks, and God was looking for one faithful person. And when he finds that one faithful person, he like pours his grace and his goodness out. Listen, some of you need to be challenged by this. Be that one for your family. Be that one. Be that one faithful person for your family and for your community. Make the decision that I will remain faithful to him. I will give him my heart and my mind. And listen, I believe, because scripture points to it again and again, that if we will be that one, that God's goodness will be found by all of those in our house and all of those in our community. Choose to be the one. And the last one, I wanna challenge you to begin every single day reframing the world with God's compassion and his grace and his love and his faithfulness. Because here's what we often do. We often enter to the world every single day. We enter into our vocation, our life, our hobbies, all of that. We enter into that and we invite God to come along with us. Listen, reframe your world with God at the center. Reframe your world with God at the center. His compassion, his grace, his mercy, his love and his faithfulness. Listen, it'll change your life. And those around you will feel it too. Isn't God good? 
He's, he's better than we could ever imagine, isn't he, church? So, hey, the, today the band is going to play us out, but I want you to hear this. God loves you. God won't give up on you. He's for you. He's not against you. You have his grace. You have his love. You have his compassion. And he will be faithful even when you're not. So stand in awe of his goodness. He's just that good. Amen, church? All right, well, go in his grace and his love today. Stand in it, believe it, and live it.